right, let's hope this all goes smoothly. You're listening to This American Podcast, Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. If there's a God in the universe, uh, I spoke to him uh, um, off the air, and uh, we've connected him up. On the air, we have Dave Marciano. Dave, are you with us? Yes, sir. Okay, we have you. Fantastic, man. Welcome to the show. Uh, I am, you know what's funny is I'm, I'm really thrilled to be able to talk to you in this way. Uh, you and I have uh, spoken personally so many times over the years, and it's always interesting for me when people who are close friends of mine or good friends of mine that I interview them because it's just a it's just a different way of talking. But um, uh, when I saw you in Los Angeles recently, I thought we got to have this guy on the air because there's so much he can tell us about his career, about acting. We have a lot of people who listen to this show who are uh, fledgling performers. And uh, someone like you can give us great insights. So how are you? I am fantastic. It is Veterans Day here in the United States of America. And um, in honor of that, I decided to sleep in. Ah, because without revealing a lot, I would usually run into you someplace uh, in a coffee shop or something near the Studio City area of California around this time of day on a Friday. That is correct. Um, therefore, it is Veterans Day. My son, uh, Marcello Marciano, is out of school. And um, so here we are. We're home. He slept in. He got up at 7.30. That's sleeping in for him. And I was able to sleep in until 8.30. You know, it's when you talk about your son, how old is your son now? 15. You have a 15-year-old son. I have a 26-year-old daughter. You and I met before any of this transpired. We literally met... At the beginning of what we didn't realize were going to be our careers at the time, but we met at the beginning of our careers. Before we get to that, I want to tell everybody that the man we're talking to on this line has a new television series debuting next Tuesday? The 15th. Let's see, my friend. You know what the greatest thing about technology is? (laughs) I can talk to you. Yes. I can go into my phone. Yes. And I can see exactly when something is happening yes that would be tuesday night the 15th tuesday night the 15th on the usa network shooter which is executive produced by ryan philippe and starring ryan philippe uh it is executive produced by mark Wahlberg. oh mark Wahlberg is the executive producer yes paramount television which is their paramount television it's production company and this is their first foray back. They used to be in business many, many years ago, and then they got out of the television business, and now they're they're um, taking another shot at it with Shooter. And who else is involved? Oh, um, um, Universal Cable Productions, which is responsible for Mr. Robot. Ah, ah my uh, my wife, who happens to be a producer of the show. Shirley just said that she likes this, that she likes that show, Mr. Robot. Um, yeah. Shooter is based of you know Mark Wahlberg is a very interesting, very interesting individual. If you're just if you're just standing the outside looking in and all the things this guy's got involved with, um, he did the movie Shooter in 2007 or 2008. All right, uh, I've seen that movie, pretty cool movie, based off of a uh, best-selling book. So tell us a little bit about the show, what we can see, and then let's talk about uh, who you are in the show. Okay, so it's yes, it's based on the book Point of Impact. Uh, the show is uh, run by uh, a man by the name of John Lavin, and that's spelt with an H, L, A, V, I, N. 
I never understood that. <laughs> I call him John Halavin. He's not. He doesn't really appreciate that, especially when I do it on set in front of everyone. Yeah. Um, and the show stars, as you said, Ryan Felipe, Omar Epps, Cynthia Adai Robinson, myself. Um, and not to give too much away, but uh, Ryan's character plays the most decorated Marine sniper in the history of the Marine Corps. Okay. And in the pilot episode, there is an assassination attempt on the president. Okay. And, and Ryan's character is, is accused of such an act. And the show is about trying to bring him in, trying to bring him to justice, and to find out if he really is the shooter or not. And you... And Go ahead. And we will find that out at the end of uh, the, the 10 episodes. It's a 10-episode order. Okay. And you play a, uh, an FBI agent? I do. And this is an interesting story. So <clears throat> before um, we, we shot a pilot um, in Vancouver, and I played a character by the name of Detective John Renwell. And I was an old school detective in uh, the Washington, uh, in the Seattle area of Washington State. And I had a partner, and that partner's name was Nadine Memphis. Now, after we shoot the pilot, and the show gets picked up, and they do some testing, and I don't know what happened to the, to the uh, Emily Gomez played... Um, the female role at the time, but I don't know if she got another show or her contract ran out or or they didn't uh, like the idea of the way she was playing the character, but she gets replaced. Okay. She gets replaced by Cynthia Adai Robinson. Now, um, I don't know if it's USA or uh, Universal Cable Productions or Paramount Television gets the bright ideas. We don't want to make her a cop. She was my partner. We were partners. We were both cops. Let's make her an FBI agent. And um, they were like, okay, great. So what happens to Detective John Renlow? Well, he gets cut out of the show. We don't need him anymore. So now I'm out of a job. <laughs> then my friend John Halavin calls me, and he says, listen, Dave, there have been some changes to the show, and um, your character is no longer in it, but everybody loves you. We want you in the show, and we've created a new role for you, which is the uh, uh, director of the FBI of the northwest region of the united states and you play uh, uh fbi uh, director of fbi howard ute and as you know ute rhymes with bute <laughs> so they called me they would call me bute on the set all day long and if you've ever seen my bute it makes perfect sense <laughs> Well, we're looking. We're looking forward to the show. Like you know, I, I watched the film, uh, I, you know, it, it, on cable. You know, after I didn't see it in the movie, but you know, it, it was a, it was a of that type of film. Those political intrigue action films. It was a really fun show. Uh, I've I've always been fascinated by Mar Mark Wahlberg's career. He's a guy who basically came from the streets of Boston. You know, a roughhouse yes. kid from Boston who's rose up not only to be a, a, a successful uh, musical artist. And then a successful actor, but now a successful producer, uh, producer of uh, uh, the wildly successful Entourage, among other things. 
you share something in common with Mr. Wahlberg is that you kind of came from a rough uh, background yourself. Isn't that correct? Uh, yes, yes. It's um, I grew up in uh, Newark, New Jersey in the um, late 60s and 70s. Uh, if you've seen the movie Goodfellas. Yes, I certainly have. And you've seen the movie Saturday Night Fever. I certainly have. And spent time that in Bay Ridge, yeah. Okay, that's my neighborhood growing up. Gotcha. Real macho Italian wannabe wise guys. And you know, other people wanted to be firemen and cops and um, teachers and some went to college and some owned local bars or clothing stores or restaurants. But, you know, it was mostly working class, blue collar, uh, tough guys. And so here I was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I so, know where you're going. No, I, I mean, so, so many people succumb to the neighborhood. I mean, I came from a place where, you know, when I say succumb to the neighborhood, it's either uh, I visited a friend of mine in Los Angeles recently who I grew up with who kind of succumbed to the neighborhood. And, and uh, I visited a guy and, and he's living, you know, he's living downtown Los Angeles and government housing and, you know, hanging on. You and I knew so many of those people, could have became those people. Somehow you didn't succumb to the neighborhood. So what happened? What was different well, for you? Well, as you know, when you're when you're in your late teens, early twenties, you're, you're you're in search of your identity. Where where do I fit in in the bigger scheme of things? So, of course, when you're growing up in this little ecosystem, you're trying to assimilate. Yeah. So, did you ever see a small movie called The Pope of Greenwich Village? Oh, sure, sure. Mickey Rourke. Eric, pre face change. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. When he was handsome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was the Eric Roberts character of my neighborhood, so I was either going to lose my thumbs, yeah. or end up, or end up scape, scapegoat dead. Because I tried, I really did. I tried, you know, I tried selling drugs. I, I, I try. I was just so bad. I was the worst wannabe wise guy you ever met. You know, I tried to steal. I got caught. You know, I, I tried to play cards and would lose all my money. I'd go to the racetrack and my horse would come in last. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'd shoot pool and I'd scratch on, you know, I'd scratch or hit the eight ball. It was just like, I was the worst. You know, I grew up in uh, motorcycle gang culture, and uh, uh, what saved me was I have no sense of balance. So, um, <laughs> right. so I know exactly what you're talking about. So you went to my mom. Go my ahead. mom had really big plans. Yeah, my mom had really big plans for me. Um, my dad left when I was three, and I was raised by my mom. And her plan for me was to go to prep school then go to military school, whether it be Annapolis or, or West Point, and then go into the military for a, a small, short stint. And if I survive that, become a politician. <laughs> and that was the track I was on, and I lasted a year and a half on that track. I went to Seton Hall Prep, and I was out of there by halfway through my sophomore year, and then I was on my, my road to Hollywood. But I didn't know that. I did not know. I was on my road to Hollywood. I did not know that the journey was going to take me to where I am today. Let's fast forward to Hollywood for a moment. I meet you in uh, 1985 when I met uh, mm -hmm. so many people who have remained in my life. Uh, Rich Scheidner, uh, yes. uh, Steve Jones, uh, uh, yes. recently Jones reconnected with Michael Pere. So yes. you and I met and you and I had both decided separately. It wasn't like we got together and go, here's what we're going to do. But uh, maybe we, I don't quite remember, we both decided to be stand-up comics, and a place yes, where yeah. we could ply our trade was the Laugh Factory on Monday nights, and That's you and right. I went down there and we started doing open mic nights. 
We did. We did, my friend. We did. We had some good times. We didn't make a lot of people laugh, but we had some good times. There weren't a lot of people in the room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't. There wasn't. And you forgot about one guy along the way, the great Mickey Bush from Great Britain. Mickey, you know, and Mickey's uh, name, yeah, of course, uh, I never forget about Mickey. Mickey's name pops up on occasion. He's uh, uh, He recently, uh, something where I had uh, some commemoration because Mickey Bush told me when I started a stand-up comic, he goes, you'll never make a living at it, mate. And finally, right. 30 years he's later, a yeah, 30 years later, he uh, puts on my Facebook, goes, guess I was wrong. So yeah, uh, I continued with, uh, I began to, uh, I got road gigs right away. So I went from, you know, that waiter struggle. I'm a waiter. I'm a bartender. I'm not getting any parts. I'm not making any money to being paid some money on the road. So I started going on the road as a stand-up comic. And basically kind of disappeared from Los Angeles, even though I lived there. You stayed right. and began to, how did it well, happen for you? Yes, yes. Yeah, here's what happened. So, you know, doing the open mic nights at the Improv and at uh, uh, Laugh Factory. At the Comedy Store and the Laugh Factory. And one day I'm, I'm and, and you know, you, you know, when you're first starting out, you got to like hang around the MC and, and you got to beg for, for stage time. Mm-hmm. And you're not you're not getting any stage time till twelve thirty on a Wednesday, you know, one o'clock on a Monday. You know what I mean? You know, so when you're trying to hone your act and get your five minutes, um, you're going up very late at night, and to very few people. And you got to remember, I'm tired. It's, it's <laughs> I'm not used. To, I, you know, and, and everybody's smoking cigarettes and drinking, and I'm trying to clean up my life a little bit, you know, because they, they told me that, you know, as an actor and as a performer, your body is your temple, and, and you don't want to put drugs and alcohol and cigarettes and, and into it, you know, you want to keep it strong so you can have longevity, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds great, yeah, I'm going to quit all that stuff, and uh, one night I'm at the Laugh Factory, <clears throat> and I'm waiting to go on. And I'm sitting next to the, next to this one guy. I don't even know who he is, and he and he's going over his act. You know how you're sitting and waiting, sure. and you can hear him. He's looking at his sheets and he's saying the jokes. And I look over, and he's got dingleberries on his collar. You know what I mean? He's got this, and he's dressed like a bum. I mean, he, like because you know, comics at the beginning, you don't have any money. This guy's dressed like he's off the streets. He's got dingleberries on his on his white collared shirt. And I said, uh, "How long have you been doing this, man?" And he says, 10 years." Yeah. I saw myself in his shoes 10 years from now and I said not for nothing pal but I don't even know who you are and I said to myself I'm done I'm out I'm not going to put 10 years into this to be him and I just decided I had already put I had already put I started acting in 1980 so this was now 86 I had already put 6 years into acting I figure, well, if I'm going to become nobody, at least it's only going to take me four more years. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can reevaluate. And um, I got lucky, man. You know, um, it was an acting class, cold reading class. Um, I was in acting class with Jonathan Banks. You know, Jonathan? <sighs> yes, I think I do. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you've watched Breaking Bad, he's the role of Mike. I forget the last name. He's the guy with the mug that only a mother can love. Oh, and he's now on uh, Better Call Saul? Exactly. Oh, That's that guy's guy. wonderful, yeah. Fantastic actor, right? So now I'm living with my girlfriend. Right? 
at the time, who I met at the improv on Sunday night, which was dance night. Remember Sunday night dance night? Sunday and Monday dance night, I do. That's right, and I met my girlfriend there, and I'm living with her at the time, and she's in advertising, and she's got this friend named Vince McEwen who wrote a play. And she said, come on, we're going to go see Vince's play. And I'm like, ah, oh, theater in L.A., this is going to be brutal, right? So I go to the, reluctantly go to the play, and Jonathan Banks is in the play. So afterwards, we go for a drink, and I meet everybody. We're hanging out at the bar, and um, Jonathan says, hey, Vince tells me you're an actor. I said, yeah. He goes, how long have you been in town? I said, I just got here like less than six months ago. He goes, uh, you're in class? I said, no, I'm looking for a class. He goes, well, why don't you come to my class? I said, uh, why, well, you teach? He said, no, I'm in class with this guy, Gordon Hunt. We meet on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Here's where we meet. Here's the address. Come on by. So now I show up <clears throat> Tuesday. I'm early. He sees me. He goes, what are you doing here? I'm like, what am I doing here? You told me to come to class. He goes, <clears throat> you know how many people I tell they never show up? I said, hey, I didn't come here to go swimming. I didn't come here to go fishing. I didn't come here to get laid. I came here to win an Academy Award and Emmy and a Clio. He laughed. He goes, okay, slow down. Slow down, killer. He goes, but I'm glad you're here. And um, <clears throat> Jonathan um, introduced me to his agent because he saw I had some talent. And then um, he got a show called Wise Guy. And he introduced me to the producers. I auditioned for the show, and I got my breakout role on the hit TV series Wise Guy on CBS playing a character called Lorenzo Steelgrave. And, um, yeah. Ray Sharkey. Yeah, Ray yeah. Sharkey. Who we both knew, playing. yeah. Yep, Ray Sharkey was, was, I was playing his nephew. You know, Ray Sharkey was, uh, uh, what, was, was shaping up like Mickey Rourke to be one of the great actors of our generation. And if anybody ever gets a chance to see a movie called Idolmaker, see a great actor, a rather, rather tragic life for him. But uh, Idolmaker and Wise Guy stand out. Wise Guy stands out on television, and Idolmaker yes. stands out. Now, I want to tell you that I knew you were acting. I was still coming back into L.A. I'd already moved to the Valley. I think I got married, but I was still coming over to Hollywood. Saw you on occasion. And then I'm in Roanoke, Virginia, with a, a, a comic named Ralph Harris, who was uh, my uh, opening act at the time, who went on to a, a pretty good level of success. And we decided to go to the movies together. We decided to go see Harlem Nights. <laughs> and I'm sitting in a movie theater in, Ro in a mall in Roanoke, Virginia, and watching this Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor film, which is a pretty good film. And all of a sudden, I look at the screen and go, I know that guy. Now, was that your first big film? You were in Harlem Nights with Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and a bunch of other great actors. And Red Fox, <coughs> Danny Aiello, Michael Lerner. Yes, it was. And, and that's, a, that's a crazy story, too. So um, Eddie Murphy wrote and directed that also. Yeah. So we go to the audition at Paramount, and of course you got to read for Eddie. And it's late, and it's like five o'clock in the afternoon, early evening, and I'm like the last guy in, right? Or maybe there's one or two guys after me. And I go in, and there's Eddie, and I say, "Hey, Mr. Murphy." He's like, "Call me Eddie." I'm like, hey, "Okay." So I do my scenes, and Eddie looks at the cast director and says, "Okay, I'm done. He's the best. He's the best all day. I don't want to do this anymore. You got the job. Get out of here." <laughs> and the casting, the casting director's like, no, you can't say that. He's like, I just said it. Get out of here. You got now. I walk out right, and I'm going to the parking lot, and I see two other guys who just had auditioned for the same role, and they were talking to each other, and they go, they go, what the hell was that? 
and um, I'm like, and I'm like playing cool, right? Because I got the job, or at least yeah. I think I do, right? And and they're going, that was a nightmare. This guy was a real blah 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 and a blah blah blah. And I'm just thinking like, Eddie Murphy's the greatest guy in the world, dude. <laughs> I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but I say nothing because I don't know if I really got it or not. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and I ended up getting the job. So you're on the set with? Uh, did you interact? You know. Uh, I have a friend who who did Pluto Nash who uh, said that when he did Pluto Nash that a man would come on the set because this is jumping forward several years in everyone's career. I come on and go, Mr. Murphy's getting ready to enter set. Do not talk to Mr. Murphy. Do not look at Mr. Yeah. Murphy. That he was like that by Pluto Nash. Was he the same guy then or was he a different guy at that time? Well, they, people would say stuff, say things like that, you know, uh, don't say anything to Eddie unless you have to. Because he's a director. Yeah. Right? So you got to talk to him. You got to interact with him. And, you know, we, we started in stand-up comedy, so we're a little brazen to begin with, guys like you and me. And, um, you know, we're gregarious. We're out there. We're nice guys. But I would. I would mess around with him, you know. And he was cool. He liked me. Um, you know, and it was amazing because, you know, Arsenio Hall was also in the movie Della Reese. Yeah. I mean, it was iconic. And then, of course... You know, Mike Tyson showed up one day on the set just to say hi, you know, <laughs> which was awesome, right? So, so I go up to Mike and he, he says, I say, hi, Dave Marciano. He goes, yeah, hey, Marciano, huh? yeah, you're, you're a boxer. You're, you're. I said, no, Mike, I'm not, no, no, no. I said, only, are you related to The Rock? I said, no, only in spirit. He goes, well, that's a great name. That's a great name. I said, yeah, thanks, Mike. So you go from there. You, at one time, were the star of your own television show, Going South. Uh, do south, yes. Do, do south. south, do south, yeah. Which that show did eventually go south. Yes, <laughs> it did. Now you are, you are, uh, in, in my estimation, Dave, and, and and I say this, I say this with uh, uh, great. Re- you are the definition of a working actor. I mean, there's people I know like you, like Michael Ironside, who was on the show a few weeks ago, who are working actors. That uh, you know, I I did not realize you were on Homeland until I started. I didn't say to my wife, "Let's watch Homeland." A guy I know is on it. I'm watching it, and I see you on Homeland. There was, uh, yeah. I love the shit. You you turn up on sometime on what are my favorite shows where I go, this is a show that I can really connect with. The Shield. You're on The Shield. You're on Homeland. Yeah. You are the yeah. definition of a working actor. I know, though, that for working actors, there are large amounts of time when there's no work at all. So how do you handle those time periods between these great opportunities where you get to apply your craft to go and uh, maybe gardening? I don't know. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned gardening because, um, you know, my career, for the first 10 years of my career from, say, 88 to 98, um, which was, you know, Wise Guy, Harlem Nights, um, I did a small thing on Lethal Weapon 2, I did a, a small part in an Alan Parker film, as you know, I had Due South, um, I had a, a series before that for two years called Civil Wars, which I played um, Jeffrey Lassick, the poet bicycle messenger which was awesome but then after 10 years things for some reason started to slow down right after due south and my kids were in private school and i was making all this money and i had a half a million dollars in the bank and i wasn't just a working actor in my mind in my mind i was going on to be a star i was just coming off of a hit tv show for two seasons where i was the number two on the call sheet and then everything went south and I kept calling my broker. I need another fifty thousand. He goes, "Okay, I need another fifty thousand. Okay, because your lifestyle grows. 
yeah. when you start making that kind of money, right? And uh, so by 2000 and I came back from I came back from due south in 96 by 2003 I went from having a uh, 2004 I went from having a half million dollars in the bank to uh, $60,000 in debt and owing the IRS um, 30,000 you know I ran into you sometime around that period at a Dylan concert at the Pantages Theater I walk yes. out. I walk out to the lobby, and I see you in the lobby, and I say, and yeah. and uh, like many people, you see people on television. You know, I run around the country. I had a house in the valley, etc. You know, and uh, I said, I said, hey, you must be doing great. You, I haven't worked in a year, you know. Yet you persevered and you came back. So you hit this financial low point, this working, uh, this uh, working low you point. You know how I got to that? I got to that Dylan concert. How? My my good and generous friend Jordan Roberts. Uh, who is a who is a great writer and um, uh, uh, a really really good friend whom we all know through the same mutual friends that we have. Gotcha. Uh, he bought me that ticket. Ah. I would have never been there if he didn't buy me that ticket. And he bought me a ticket to see you two at the Rose Bowl. He uh, is he, was that uh, the was that the wait, where didn't Jonesy open up for you two at that at that um or am I wrong? Anyway, no, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, so I persevered, right? Yeah, you know, uh, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm cleaning up my act. I'm, I'm trying to get a, a spiritual program going. I'm trying to, you know, get a conscious contact with the universe or, or this greater thing that you know we're a part of. And, um, you know, one of the spiritual principles of, of my life is perseverance. Never give up. The Dalai Lama says never give up. Um, and I didn't, you know, and I just kept plugging away. And um, <clears throat> now I can't afford private school anymore. So I go to the headmaster and I tell him, I, I got two kids in private school. I said, I'm, I'm, I need some help. I, I, I need some, you know, he goes, all right, let's, we'll find something for you to do. You've been a very active family here at the school. You've always donated lots of money. He goes, we'll figure it out. And you know what? I became the gardener <laughs> at the school. <clears throat> So yes, I was gardening. Uh-huh. I became the camp. I was in charge of campus beautification. My goodness! <clears throat> and I'm gardening, and I'm doing my thing now. There's some famous people, kids who go to that school, and one of them was the creator of the Shield, Sean Ryan. Okay. Right. Now I'm gardening. He sees me every day. He says hi. I say hi. He says love your work. I said thank you. You know. And then season season two of the Shield, he sees me. He goes, um, you know, I'd love to have you on on my show, the Shield. And um, I said, great, you know, I'm ready. Anytime he says, okay, let me let me try to work it out. So season two goes by, nothing. Season three, he sees me. Hey, how you doing, Dave? I'm doing ah, doing great. Just doing some gardening here, you know, trying to keep my kids in school. He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, I'm thinking about you. I said, okay, I'm ready. <clears throat> and then season four comes. And I see him one day at school, and I'm doing my gardening. You know, I would do my gardening in the morning. I drop my kids off, you know, at eight o'clock in the morning, and I'd yeah. stay there till 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 ten or eleven, and you know, do my job, and then I'd go about my business, go on auditions, and you know, do whatever it is else I had to do. And he says, <clears throat> "I got it, <clears throat> I got it. I'm going to call your agent, bring you in for the audition." And I'm like, oh, "Thank God, right?" And you know, it's just a guest star. It's just a one-off, supposedly. 
Uh-huh. And I go, right? So I go in, and now, whenever you audition for someone you know or a friend, I put this undue pressure on myself because I don't want to embarrass them because there's other people in the room, and they know you're his friend. Yeah. And I put this undue pressure on myself, and I go in there, and he's not in the room. He's up writing the show, and and uh, Mark Brazil's in the room. And a Mark! People. Yes. Yeah. Mark Brazil, yes. <clears throat> and I do it, and it's not going well. The words aren't coming out trippingly upon the tongue, as they say. Mm-hmm. And now I'm starting to panic a little bit, and I'm getting embarrassed, right? And then finally I say, you know what? I'm just not feeling it today. You know, <clears throat> um, uh, thanks for the opportunity, and I left. Wow. My agent called me. Yeah, my agent calls me and goes, uh, what happened? I said, it just wasn't my day. I said, he goes, no, he goes, um, everyone thinks you were upset because Sean, your friend Sean wasn't in the room. And that's why you, you know, I said, no, I wasn't upset. I, I fucking, oh, excuse me, I tanked it. I tanked it. He said, all right, well, <clears throat> Sean, <clears throat> Sean's going to be there until 1130. You, you got to get over there and he'll come down and he'll, he'll be in the room. And I said, Harry, I'm at school gardening. I got jeans on. I'm covered in mud. I haven't shaven. He goes, you got to be there in a half hour. So I run, I roll to the studio in my gardening clothes and my little Hollywood schoolhouse shirt on. And I apologize for not being dressed like a detective. And Sean goes, it doesn't matter. And I nail it. I do it. I hit a home run right out of the park. And Sean looks at Mark Brazil and he goes, you got me out of my office from writing to do to, to see that. That was perfect. That's exactly what it is. Well, since I'm here, do it one more time. Here's an adjustment. And he, I nailed it. He says, okay. And he says to Mark Brazil, don't do this to me again, please. <laughs> and I got the job. You know, so... So was it, you know, was it a, a then an acting comeback from then? You've worked steadily ever since, for the most part. That was the beginning, yeah. You know, that you went. The beginning. You went on so many great shows. You know, uh, like I said, I urge people. Uh, uh, the Shield is something that I urge people to. Uh, uh, it's not DVDs anymore. Download. You know, check out the Shield. Uh, one of the great. One of the all-time great television shows. My uh, my wife Shirley at the time one time said, "I've never seen you really excited." And I said, "I don't really have an excitement gene, you know." I said, "I, I, I don't really have a woohoo gene in my body." But there was the one time, the first time she ever saw me excited is I came home to our, our house here in Arizona and I was depressed because I thought I'd missed the season finale of The Shield, and then found oh. out they, they were going to rerun it immediately after. And I kind of jumped down, down, woohoo! She goes, "Is that you excited?" I go, "That's me excited." That's how yep. much I love that show. All the work in it. Um, greatest, I, greatest series finale. One of the probably the top three, if not the best series finale of all shows of all time. I, I urge people to watch it. I urge people to watch Shooter starting this week. I got a totally offbeat question to ask you. You're the only uh, you're the only dude I know who paints his toenails. What's with that? If I could send you a picture, they're gold right now, my friend. <laughs> they are. You're probably the only guy from Newark, New Jersey who paints his toenails. What's with that? Probably. I'll tell you what's that. Okay, so I come back from Canada, due south, right? Uh-huh. And we're, we're, me and my wife at the time, we're getting a pedicure. And I'd only been getting pedicures. Now, I'm 30, I'm 35, 36, and I had never had a pedicure in my life. 
And you know, she finally persuaded me to go after being married for three years. And uh, I'd been getting pedicures for about three, four months. And so we're in there. We're at Jessica Nails. This is in uh, Sunset Plaza, really uh, shishi place. All Russians, right? All uh -huh. Russians. <clears throat> Very expensive place. And so we're coming to the end of the pedicure, and my wife holds up two colors. She goes, which color do you like? The, and I said, you know what? That dark blue, look, that'll look good on you. Get the dark blue. I love the darker color. So the lady doing my toes, she turns around, you know, to see what was going on. And then she looks at me, and she goes, you want some color? And I said, you know, honey, it's not my thing. I said, I've I just been getting pedicures for about three months, and I'm kind of happy. She goes, let me do one toe. If you don't like it, <laughs> she's the perfect salesman. If you don't like it, I'll take it off. So she does my big toe on my right foot, and I go, wow, that looks good. She goes, I'll do the whole foot. If you don't like if you like it, I'll do the other foot. I'm like, okay, do the whole foot. So she does the whole foot, and I'm looking at my right foot, and I'm looking at my left foot, and I have to tell you, my right foot was looking sexy, dude. Mighty <laughs> sexy. And I said, go ahead, do it. I figured it would be a one-time thing. So now it's summertime, and I'm walking around with flip-flops, and I can't tell you all the heat I'm generating from the ladies. It is off the charts, and I've been doing it ever since. You know, it's odd. It's the closest I ever came to a pedicure. I was hanging out with Craig Shoemaker, and uh, I'd been getting manicures. He goes, well, he goes, let's go and get pedicures together. I look at Craig, and I go, I'm not getting a pedicure with another dude, Craig. It's all there is right. to it. He goes, come on. I go, no, Craig, I'm yeah. not. So maybe if I'd been with a woman, I'd have done it, but I was with Craig, and I didn't. And that's where yeah, things get. I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you. I, I didn't want that on my resume and got his first pedicure with Craig Shoemaker as much as I yeah. love Craig. Dave, I want to thank you so much for your time here. Uh, this has been a great interview. I think uh, I want to urge people to uh, tune in next week on the USA Network and check out Shooter with our good friend Dave Marciano and Ryan Philippe. Uh, and uh, go back and check out The Shield uh, and check out Homeland. And uh, you'll be checking out some of the best, best literature that has been filmed in the history of, uh, in, in the history of uh, television or literature, in my yeah. estimation. All right, buddy. Yes, I've been very lucky. Thank you very much. Very Thank you much. very much, Dave, and I'll see you the next time in town. Thanks a lot. All right, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Well, how cool is that, huh? How cool is that? There was, uh, you know, I, I met him back in the day, and we both were going to be stand-up comics, and uh, neither one of us were going to be doing. And, uh, and here we are talking over 30 years later, and I couldn't be happier for the guy. And what a story yeah. to go from his own, starring in his own television series to be in a gardener at a school. But you know what You know what the real message in that story is? Mm -hmm. He wanted to keep his kids in that school no matter what. And he would do anything to keep his kids in that school. A guy from Newark. That's a guy from Newark, New Jersey. Um, and, and he did what he had to do to keep not going, well, one day I'll bounce back. You know, you always have that. But going, this might be it. If this is it, this is what I got to do. Great, great interview. Let's do this. Let's take a little break. And when we come back, we'll wrap up. Uh, this American Podcast Comedy Edition on this Veterans Day, November 11th, 2016. We'll be right back. <laughs> 